Thanks for tuning in to the Crew at UGA podcast. We are so glad to have you with us. Crew exists to call students to know God, grow in their faith, and go to the world. If you would like to get more connected with Crew at UGA, or if we can help you in any way at all, go to the show notes, click on the link, or follow us on Instagram at Crew at UGA. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Career at UGA podcast. In this week's episode, we will be playing a recording of our most recent weekly meeting talk. Now, if you'd like to come to our weekly meeting that happens each Tuesday at 8 o'clock, we'd love to have you. But right now, spots are still limited. So if you want to come, be sure to sign up using the Eventbrite registration link that you can find every Thursday on our Career at UGA website. Now, on to the recording. Like Alan introduced for us last week, we are in a series called In Light Of. And so here's what this means. In this series, we want to talk about the characteristics or attributes of God um, so that we can just really know how amazing that he is. Um, But then in light of this, we want to talk about what this might mean for us um, as his children, how this impacts the way that we live. And so this this is what this whole series is all about. And tonight, um, as you can see on the slide, we're going to be talking about God being creator. Or maybe put another way, God being the master builder of all things. And to talk about this, you may can guess where we're going to be at tonight. It's the very first page of your Bible, uh, Genesis 1. Um, But before I talk about, before we open the text and and dig in a little bit, I want to address a potential elephant in the room and then provide an invitation for us all. So when the topic of creation comes up, there are so many beliefs on this, right? I mean, you've got differing Christian beliefs. You've got new earth, old earth, aged earth, tons in between that. You've got also differing um, beliefs that are opposed, maybe, or contradict even Christian belief, like agnosticism or atheism, um, and, you know, all that, the considering uh, science and philosophy, all this kind of stuff, and so... Unfortunately, tonight, we're not going to be able to dig into those, maybe apologetics, or if you're into that sort of thing. We're not going to be able to do that tonight. But I do want to say that if you're in this room uh, and you want to talk more about that, maybe you're experiencing doubts, or maybe you know people who are experiencing doubts when it comes to uh, creation or God creating, um, I just want to invite you to come talk to me after. Um, I don't know a ton about this stuff, but I would love to just have that conversation with you and and maybe set you on the right track moving forward um, if you have some of those doubts. But my invitation for us all is as we open our Bibles to Genesis 1 and other places, my hope is that, and my invitation is for you to affirm what the Bible says and that we will be led to worship the divine who of creation and not get so caught up on the details of how. So we're worshiping the who, not getting lost in the how. Does that make sense? And so that's my invitation tonight, that as we open our Bibles, we will respond in worship and then also in obedience. And so let me pray for us before we jump in, and then um, we can open up Genesis 1. Father, we love you. We are thankful that we are here. Um, we are so thankful that you have brought us here in this space to, to be united as a, as a crew family, but also to hear from you, to worship you. Um, so God, we... we ask with great expectation that you will um, speak to us through your word, um, that as we, as we encounter you tonight, that you would change us and that you would uh, mold us to be even more of who you want us to be. Um, God, do this text in us. Do this talk in us. 
And God, I just pray for myself that, that Lord, I would decrease so that you may increase tonight. Um, God, be glorified in my words, in this talk, and just be glorified in this room. Um, yeah, we love you, and we trust you. Amen. All right, so like I said, Genesis 1, very first page, the first sentence of your Bible. That's where we're going to be going tonight. And so if you don't have your Bible, if you don't want to look on your phone, it can also be on the screen. And so we're just going to pick up the very first verse. Um, I'll start reading. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, and it was void. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. You see, these two verses here, very first two verses of your Bible, they serve as a panoramic view of the amazing truth that God created. You see, God in His self-existence created, which means that for all of eternity, He has existed. Eternity past, and for all of eternity future. He was never created, but He has existed. And in His independence, He created. This means that He did not need anything to help Him in creation. He didn't need any aid or assistance or any raw materials to create, and He didn't need us as He created. You see, I love what Psalm 90 verse 2 says before the mountains were brought forth or ever you would form the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting you are God it's amazing this is our God the creator God from everlasting to everlasting and looking back at verse 2 in Genesis 1 something to point out here it says that the earth was without Form, which means that it was without order, it was chaotic, and also that it was void, meaning that it was empty of inhabitants. You see, what we're about to see is that as, as God actively creates, as he is active in the involvement of creation, he creates to give form and to fill what is empty. But before we talk about that and go through this, this passage a little bit more, let's talk about why. Why would God create? Why would God create? You know, Alan, he talked about last week that God is sovereign, meaning that he is purposeful in everything that he does. And so why would God create the universe? You think because, it was, because he was bored? Was he lonely? Absolutely not. You see, our God has eternally existed as Trinity, which, mean, which means God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And as He has existed in Trinity, this has been a relationship of perfect and mutual love. This is our God. He did not need anything. He did not need anyone else. But yet, he created everything out of a superabundance of his love that he wanted to share with all of creation, with you, with me. This is why he created. He created to display his glory to the entire universe because he wanted to. Because he wanted to manifest his greatness, but also his 
goodness to all of creation. This is why our God created. It's amazing. So going back to Genesis 1, this panoramic view that I showed is now followed by a detailed and poetic description of the process of creation. It's not going to be on the screen, but here's, it goes something like this. So in Genesis 1, it says over and over and over that God said, God said, God said, God said, His very word birthed creation. He spoke it into existence by His word. And from His word, creation burst through. And here's what He did. Here's what He said. So in days, if you want to look at your Bible, you can, but I'm going to outline it. In days 1 through 3, the, he, God is addressing here the world being without form. Days 1 through 3, he's addressing without form that we saw in verse 2. He's giving order. So first day, he gives light. He separates the light from the darkness, thus establishing the order of time. This is day 1. Day two, he separates the waters, the chaotic waters of the earth, into two distinct places, the sky and the sea, giving order. And day three, he establishes the realm of land, including plant life, creating order for creation and for creatures to thrive. You see, he's giving form to a world that was once without form. This is one through three. Then we turn to days four through six. God is addressing, can you guess? The void. God addresses the void by filling the realms that he had just created. He fill, he's filling them now with inhabitants. Day four, he creates the sun, the moon, and the stars to fill the skies to help mark the order of time. Day five, he creates fish and sea creatures to fill the seas and birds to fill the air. So he's filling now. And day six, he creates animals to fill the land as well as creating humans to fill that land. You see, this is what God did in his creation. It's very purposeful. And then on the seventh day, we see that he rested. His active work in creating the cosmos is finished. You know, in light of all this, I love what Revelation 4, 11 says. Let me read it. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. It's the last book of the Bible, reflecting on what God has done in history, praising God for who he is and what he's done. You see, there's something beautiful, right? There's something awe-inspiring. There's something glorious that our God is creator that leads us to worship him. He is the master builder of all things. And this is why we worship him. But now looking back through Genesis 1, as God creates, as he created the universe, over and over we see that he affirms that it was good. Over and over, it's good, it's good, it's good. And not good in a moral sense, because evil 
hasn't yet been present in creation, but rather good in the sense that it was complete. It was whole. It was a delight to him. But then when he finished creating humans on the sixth day, what does he say? He said it was very good. Why this distinction? Why very good now? We see in in verse 27 of chapter 1, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You see, this was very good to God because God created mankind in his own image. You see, as humans, our most central reality and identity is that we are image bearers of our creator God. And like I said, there's a, there is a distinction here, right? There's a distinction between him being creator and us being the created, but yet we bear and reflect the very image of God. All humans. This is what he created, and this is why. And so here's an analogy. I saw this once, and I thought it was really helpful. Um, and so this is a picture of Natalie and I. It's sitting on the mantle of our home. I know it's kind of small, uh, but this was on our wedding day. Uh, we have been married in May will be five years, which is pretty crazy. Um, but, so this is a picture of us. And so, why do I show this? This picture is not us, right? I am me. I'm standing here. Natalie's in the back. But this is a picture of us to show you all what we look like, who we are. You see, if you were to come to my house and you didn't know us that well and you were to look at this picture, you would have an idea of who we were, right? Well, the same is true about what, why God created us and what this means. This is what it means to be made in the image of God. He created us to be a picture of himself to the rest of the created world. You see, remember, there's a distinction. It's not fully You know, he is still divine, we are not divine. He is self-existent, he is independent. We were totally dependent on him for creation and all things. But yet, he created us to bear his image to the world like that picture bears the image of me and Natalie to you all. And so to continue this thread a little bit more, teasing it out, to be made in the image of God, here are a couple more points that I want to make. First, it means that All people were made in the image of God. And that means that all people have dignity and significance. All people. And because all people means all people, all people should be treated with that dignity, with respect, with honor, because they are other image bearers. You see, in fact, it is this core Christian belief that should motivate us towards advocating for justice and equity in our now broken world. This is why we are image bearers. This is why as Christians we should abhor and detest the sins of racism and sex slavery in our world. This is why. Second, being created in God's image means that we have been invited, get this, this is crazy, 
we have been invited to partner with him in his work in the world. Us. Being invited to partner with him. And this is from the very beginning. Verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. You see this? This is amazing. God, the creator of all things, gave Adam and Eve and still gives to us this very day the command, the ability, and the responsibility to cultivate life and to carry out meaningful, I mean meaningful work in this world. He has given us stewardship in his kingdom for his glory as creator. And though he's distinct, we are now created to be his representatives to the world. This is what it means to be an image bearer. But, in Genesis 3, you know what happens. You know the story. You know what happens. Adam and Eve, God's image bearers, they rebel. They turn away. They take life in their own hands. They want to define their identities apart from God. They push back on this creator-created distinction. And in fact, they want to be their own gods. They want to define right versus wrong for themselves. And what's the result? Creation gets broken. All creation gets broken. Rather than being a hospitable place in which all things flourish and thrive, creation is is now marked by fallenness. Y'all know this. Y'all know what this means. Y'all know what this feels like for creation to be broken. Nature human relationships, families and marriages, sexuality, our vocation, life itself, they're all tainted with the effects of sin and they suffer the fractures of living in a wasteland. And Back to my illustration. This includes our role to be image bearers of God. This is still a picture of us, right? What happens? So I mark it up, make it real nice and ugly here. This is not what it's meant to be. This is not what this is meant to be for us as image bearers. You see, humanity was once a clear picture of God. But now it's marred and it's distorted by sin and the brokenness that has entered the world. Sitting it. And like Adam and Eve, we still wrestle. We wrestle with what it means to be true, authentic image bearers of God, right? Here's some ways that I think we as humans experience this broken sense and this distorted view of being an image bearer of God. And, and these examples, they're taken right from my life. I will tell you this. Number one, we are, I already mentioned this a little bit, but we fail We struggle with this because we fail to recognize and honor the dignity of other image bearers. We see this in our world. And there are so many examples of this. I just want to talk about one that I I really don't think is talked about enough. And that is pornography. 
Pornography portrays sex as something to be compulsively consumed. It objectifies men, but primarily women, turning them into mere objects of selfish pleasure. And the people on these screens, they begin to lose all sense and experience of their God-given honor and dignity as his image bears. This is a a way of, of, of how this has been distorted that we experience. A second way that we experience this brokenness is, is when we seek to define ourselves by secondary characteristics. Not the primary characteristic of being an image bearer. We become, or we are, our Enneagram number. We are our cultural identity. We are our looks. We are our abilities. Our identities become buried in and really reduced to these secondary characteristics instead of the primary characteristic of being an image bearer. Another way we experience this brokenness is is through our constant comparison to other image bearers. Oh my goodness. Psalm 139, it's not up there, but it says that we were fearfully and wonderfully made by God, our Creator. And so instead of recognizing the wonderful ways that I and you and we've all been made uniquely by God, we look to other image bearers and we compare ourselves to them and and we want to be like them. We want their looks, we want their talents, we want their personalities, we want their achievements, we want their influence, we want all this from them. We're constantly comparing ourselves to others and then when we view them as better, leaves us empty and often feeling crushed by this false sense of self. And lastly, we can experience brokenness when we define ourselves by what other image bearers say about us. And whether this is positive or negative. You see, if we just can get that job, if we can just get that internship, and if, if people would just say that we're successful, then that's our identity. If we get that person to like us, if we're accepted by that group, our identity is belonging among them. Or if we let someone down, or if we are rejected by someone, then our failures in those relationships become our very identity. You see, all of these are ways, and many more ways, that we can experience this sense of brokenness as well as sinfully trying to define ourselves outside of our primary, our primary characteristic of being a created image bearer by our Creator God. So what about for y'all? Out of those four, was there, was there one that stuck out to you? Are you experiencing any of these in your life, or is there another one that resonates? How have you lost sight of your primary Identity of being an image bearer. But, but even in the midst of this, man, even in the midst of this, God still remains creator. It's who he is. You still, God, he still loves to create. He loves creating wholeness. He loves creating life in the midst of our sin and the brokenness of our world. Even after the rubble of Genesis 3, 
He was on a mission and has been on a mission. His desire is to make his created world and his image bearers, get this, better than brand new. This is what he is doing and wants to do. He is restoring a broken world, a broken humanity, back to himself, back to the created design and order that was meant to be. And he's doing this through his son. You see, Jesus was and is the ultimate image bearer of God. He came as the visible and the functional representation of God in the world and now over the world. This is Jesus. He perfectly showed the world who God was. He perfectly honored the dignity of all humans. He perfectly partnered with God to promote life and to build up the kingdom. He perfectly did this. And through his life and through his death, his resurrection and his ascension as our king and our representative, he makes a way for all of us to be restored back to who we were created to be. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Colossians 3.10 says, and this is a paraphrase, um, Having put on the new self, you are being renewed in the knowledge after the image of your Creator. You see, if you've put your faith in Christ and you've trusted Him for your salvation, you are in Christ. Your sins and your shame of taking life in your own hands and and rebelling against God and rejecting your identity as a true image bearer, all of this has been fully paid for by Christ. All of this. All this means that you are a new creation now. And, you know I was going to do it. And, like me erasing, where I marked this picture and made it not what it was meant to be. This is what Christ is doing with us. We are being renewed day by day back into the image of our Creator. And even as you struggle, daily struggle in the areas I mentioned, God is doing this right now in you. This is what being in Christ means for me, for you. And if this isn't clear enough or exciting enough, check out this passage. One of my favorites. Ephesians 2.10. We are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Y'all, this is Genesis 1 stuff. Like, this is image-bear truth right here, now in the New Testament. In Christ, we are God's masterpiece. He has made us new, and He delights in us. And, as His masterpieces, guess what? We're invited to, once again, partner with Him in making His created world better than brand new. That's what the verse said. And what's going to happen is God, he's going to continue this work in us and through us until one day all of creation will be restored back to how it was meant to be. 
This is what God is doing. This is what He is creating even now in you and in me. So y'all, whenever you look in the mirror in the morning, brushing your teeth, fixing your hair, getting ready, this is what you need to tell yourself. I am an image bearer of the Creator God. Me, an image bearer. I am in Christ. Which means I am God's delightful masterpiece. And now, today, I get to get out there and partner with God in making the world better than brand new. Today, I get to do and live out my truest identity by partnering with God and building His kingdom. That's what we get to do. And so I'm going to close, but I want to end with a final example from my own life. And Every time I read Ephesians 2.10, I think of this story. Um, and so I want to share it. <laughs> um, and so here's a picture of me and my dad. Um, so it's actually pretty cool. I am named after my dad. So he's John Collar Collins. I'm John Collar Collins II. Um, and we actually share the exact same birthday, which is pretty cool, uh, which, was, which was last week. Um, well, for a while, my dad, he built houses professionally. Um, and he still does a lot of building projects on his own, uh, even though he's retired now. But in a lot of ways, my dad is a creator, and, and he is a, he's a builder. And my dad is crazy good. I mean crazy good at what he does, for real. I mean, it, it blows my mind. He, he built the house that we grew up in. And the things that he builds, he, he largely does all by himself. I kid you not. And it, just, it blows my mind, the things that he can design from scratch and just build. He can just do it. You know, so my dad, he, he just turned 61, and, and just the past couple months, he has worked on this. So you can show that next picture. This may not look like much. This is a huge shelter he literally built by himself. He bought all the supplies, built it by himself. I was like, Dad, what are you doing? He did this. Like, he can just do stuff. It's crazy. But what is also true about my dad is that he loves inviting me to build stuff with him. He sends me texts all the time, calls me all the time. Collar man, that's what he calls me. Collar man, hey, I'm working on this this weekend. I'm doing so-and-so this weekend. You want to come down and help? You want to come down and work on this with me? And, and, and what's cool is over the years, I've, as I've said yes to this, for years I've, I've built with him. I've worked on things with him. There's a picture of us working on something together that my mom took. Um, and it's really cool because as I've built with my dad, I've enjoyed building. I've learned how to do it. And I've just, it's just been so cool taking it all in. And, and I would say it's a, it's a hobby for me now. Why do I share this? How does it connect? Well, the thing is, my dad doesn't need my help in building anything. He can do it. He can do it all by himself. But my dad loves inviting me to build alongside with him. My dad loves me, and I love him. We love spending time together. He loves having this relationship with me, and he loves teaching me how to build and showing me his plan so that we can do it together. This is what me and my dad love to do, and this is what he loves doing, doing with me. And what's so cool is it always, it never fails, at the end of a project, he'll always take pictures and show our family, and he'll always say things like, wow, look what we did together. 
I'm like, Dad, I didn't do anything. Like, you did this. You just showed me where to put stuff. But no, in his mind, it's look what we did together. Y'all, this is what God feels about us. God loves us. God loves asking us, inviting us to partner with him in building his kingdom. He doesn't say, hey, you stand aside. You'll probably mess it up anyway. You don't know what you're doing. He says, no, let me teach you. Let me show you. I want you to be a part of building my kingdom and making it better than brand new. This is the beauty of God being creator. He is master builder. We are his masterpiece. And together we get to partner in rebuilding and building and creating his kingdom now and for all of eternity. And so tonight, will you respond in worship? Just worship him as creator. And will you join him in this kingdom work that he's inviting you to do? Let me pray for us. God, it amazes me that you would want to invite me to do anything of purpose and meaning, but you do because you delight in me. You delight in us. You want us to join you in your good work. And so God, first we worship you for that. We say what an honor it is to be sons and daughters of our creator God. What an honor it is to be an image bearer of you. And God, we, we humbly accept your invitation to partner with you. So God, show us what that means. Give us clarity. Give us insight on what it means for us to partner with you here at UGA, in our Greek houses, in our dorms, with our friends, in the work that we do, the schoolwork, the, the talents, the hobbies we have. Let us know what it means to build your kingdom and partner with you. And God, if, if, if part of that is, is um, calling us to, to deeper obedience and following you more, then, then God, enable us to do it. Empower us by your Spirit to follow you and, and help build your kingdom in ways, meaningful ways, that you have for us. So God, would you be glorified now in our worship? And as we leave, would you be glorified in our work? Now we pray. Amen.